As you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. During this season or series, we've really been looking at what does it mean to be a Christian? Very important to know that. What does it mean to be a Christian? Not just wearing the badge. A lot of people wear the badge. I go to church. I pay my tithes. I sing in the choir. Um, I, I do this and I do that. But it's not about just the badge, but it's about the life. It's about living the life for Jesus. I heard this saying many years ago, and I thought, how good is this? And you've probably heard it many times, but listen, you may be the only Bible that someone reads. I want to just say that one more time. You may be the only Bible someone reads. So with that thought, what gospel are they hearing? What gospel are they seeing through your life? Do they truly know God through your life. Look at this scripture, a powerful scripture, and it's something I really believe you need to grasp today from Colossians 1 verse 27. It says, to them, say with me them. Who's the them? It's those who don't know God. It's those who haven't heard about God, or maybe those who have heard about God, but have a misconception about God. Let's break it down where you're at. It's the person in the cubicle, maybe next to you. Come on, it's your neighbor in your neighborhood. It's your family member that is still away from God. It's your teacher. Come on, it's your classmates. To them, it's the people who are around you that need to hear about God. It says, to them, God willed. Or His desire. That's what it's talking about when we see the will of God. It's His desire. So to them, here's God's desire is what the Scripture is saying. The desire of God is that it would be made known to them all the riches of the glory and the mysteries amongst the Gentiles. And here's the key part. Which is what? Christ. Come on, say, make it personal. Christ in me. Come on now, make it personal. It's Christ in me. Come on, salt and light. Come on, the hope of glory. What does it say to them who are lost? God says, I want them to know. And how do they know? It's by Christ in you. It's by the hope that you need to bring to everyone around us. So many of us are maybe praying, God, give me an opportunity to speak to someone at my workplace. And the opportunities are there every day. You just need to seize them. Come on, the opportunities are there by the witness and the life that you live, that you can speak into their life without even verbally speaking into their life. They can see the life around you. You and I are called to be the hope of this world. God could have chosen anything, but he chose you and me as what? As Christians, as followers of Christ to bring his hope to the world. Are you ready? No, you, there's no hope. 
Come on, I want to say that one more time. With no you, there is no hope. I read this on Facebook this week. It says, never deprive someone of hope because it might be all that they have. You may be all that someone has. And God has strategically placed you there. And that's why we're having this series. That's why we're talking about being the salt and the light, because I believe we need to be the hope once again to the world. That Christ needs to be alive so much inside of us that it brings hope and comfort to everyone else around. So what is a Christian? What are we called to be? What makes us different? Why is different so important? Aren't they great questions? But we better have the answer to them. And the answer is not just verbally. I want to say something right now. Verbal Christians make me sick. What are you talking about? Anyone know someone that they just talk up such a great spiritual walk, but yet their life and the actions of their life are just so against everything that they say? Come on, that makes me sick when I hear some people that they go and do this and that, but yet the actions of their life show someone different. Come on, it's all talk and no walk. You know what I'm talking about? Come on, and that's why our message, the title today is we're going to walk the walk. We're going to live out the life. Come on, we we say this all the time, that our words must be backed up with actions. I, I just don't like that. I don't think our words need to be backed up with actions. I don't think that's true. I think that what? Our actions need to be backed up with words. That the life that we live so much shows forth the goodness of God through each and every one of our lives. In the Bible, there's a story of a good Samaritan. And really, that's an oxymoron in Jesus' day, two opposites right there, because how could a good or a Samaritan be good? It's almost like, excuse the expression, but it's almost like saying a nice Alabama fan. Come on, we don't like Alabama. It's like a nice Alabama. We like them. We like they lost last night, but come on, but we don't like them. And we look at things like that. It's like an oxymoron in that, a good Samaritan. But what was the story? There was a man who was wounded. There was a man who was beaten up. There was a man who was left. And people who should have known better did nothing. But someone who was not expected to help, that someone who wasn't That wasn't his responsibility. That wasn't his job. But yet he said, hold on a second. It is my job to help. It is my responsibility. Come on, as a child of God, it is our job and it is our responsibility. But I encourage you, go and read that story for yourself this week. Because you know what you see in that story? He never talks. He just does. He never talks. He says, let me do this. Let me help. He just by his actions, spoke louder than his words. You may say, well, he did talk. Yes, he did, after the job was done. And he talked not to the man, but to the innkeeper. And he said, here's some money, and if there's any more that's owed, I'll pay it on my return. I'll pay it back. I love Francis Assisi. He said this statement. He said, spread the gospel by any means possible. And if needed, use words. Come on, if needed, use words. The actions, the way of our life. Come on, that really puts things into proper perspective there, doesn't it? You may say, well, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. It's all over the Bible. That is so scriptural right there. Because it's not about what we say. It's about who we are. And we've got it so backwards for so long that it's what we say. We say that even to our kids. And it's so dumb when we say, do what I say, but not what I... That's stupid. Come on now, that's stupid. We've got to live the example and be the example for those 
around. So we've been fact-finding on a journey, discovering how we can implement the proper characteristics for being a Christian. We're not going to be like those people knocking on people's door, trying to wash our neighbor's feet. Come on, trying to do crazy things like that. And we've been looking from Romans chapter 12 and verse 9 through 22 is where we're going to get to eventually. But we just started. Last week we discovered what? Come on, help me out. One person remembers last week's message. I'm glad it was so impactful. Come on, last week we discovered what? Love. Wow. Come on, we discovered love, how to give love, and we must know love in order to give love, and that God is love, because love is not what He does, love is who He is. First John 4 verse 8, He does not love, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. To be a Christian, we've got to love other people. We've got to be loving. It's our identity. It's what distinguishes us above the rest by the love that we have for one another. We are recognized as followers of Christ. And I want to move on today because we've got lots of ground to cover. So you ready today? Say with me, ready. Ready, ready. ready. Judah says that all the time when I'm taking him out of the car seat. I said, Judy, are you ready? He goes, ready, daddy. Ready, daddy. Ready, daddy. He's ready to go. He's ready to get out of that seat. Even when we're driving now, he's like, I'm ready. Walk, walk. I'm ready. I'm wanting to walk. I'm out. Come on, we need to be ready to receive the word of God. Are you ready today? Come on, come on, come on. Romans 12, verse 11, one scripture says this. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I love the New Living Translation. It says this. Never be lazy in your work. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Here's the characteristic number two. Are you ready? Stewardship. Stewardship. Being a good steward. The dictionary definition of stewardship is this, or steward is a person who manages another's property or finances. Literally taking care of what is not yours in the first place. Think about that. What is not yours in the first place. And here's where we fall into a problem right here with stewardship. Are you ready? Look at this. Too often we want to take ownership instead of stewardship. We want to take ownership of something, but the Bible says it's not yours. It's all his. But we want to take ownership of it, and that's many times when we get in a problem. We've got to look at stewardship and ask yourself this question. What has been entrusted into my hands? What has God placed into my hands? What are my responsibilities? What has God given to me? And how am I managing that? How am I managing those things? How am I today managing my finances? What am I doing with my finances? Am I running up debt and then just praying and believing that God's going to turn that around just because I'm paying my tithes and it's a magical miracle one? Come on, you've got to be a good steward with your finances. Come on, how, many you, how are you managing your family today? How are you managing your time with your family? You've got to be a good steward with those things because I want you to know that the Bible says that children are a heritage from the Lord. They are given to God by God as a gift to us, but really they're God's. And we've got to manage them and we've got to steward them. Come on, how are you stewarding? How are you managing your family? Come on, playing golf five times a week is not stewardship. 
Come on, being out of the house and not being there to meet the needs of your spouse and your children. That's not being a good steward with your marriage. Come on, I'm going to keep going until I get an amen. And I may just amen myself because this is good preaching. And you need to hear this. How are you managing your work? Are you being a good steward with your work? Or are you allowing your work to bankrupt you that when you come home you have nothing to give to your family? That's not being a good steward. Now, I didn't say you want to work hard. You work hard. But you've got to leave some for your family. You've got to have some. How are you stewarding your work? Come on, what about your time? Wow, we could talk for weeks about that, couldn't we? How are you managing your time? In other words, how much time are you wasting? The Bible says, redeem the time, especially in the last days because the days are evil. You've got to redeem the time. Come on, you've got to be a steward of your time because you can complain all you want. I don't have enough time. The reality is this. Everyone has the same amount of time and people are getting things done that you're not. Why? Because they're just being a good steward with their time. And they're using their time wisely. Being a good steward. Come on, how many would agree with just what I've said there? Our management for our life is crucial. It's crucial that we get it right. I like what Luke says, Luke 16, and it doesn't get any better when Jesus says it. Come on, if Jesus says it, you need to really listen to it. And Jesus says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust or really unfaithful, he's not a good steward with what is a little or least. He's not going to be faithful in what is much. Now, we're going to read on, but just stop and think, consider about what's been said there. Little makes way for great. If it can't start small, it will never grow big. And so let's make that practical. I'm all about faithfulness. That's one of the things that I just harp on. I I just want to see faithfulness in people's life. I want to see people who are true to their word. When they say something, they just follow that up and back down. Come on, I I just want people to be the best that you can be. Come on, I want people all in. I didn't say that we were all perfect because none of us are perfect. I, I know I'm far from perfect. You don't have to say amen to that, but you can if you want because I know that I'm far from perfect, but I'm I'm here to tell you today that God's still working with me. I'm still a work in progress like every single one of us. So here's what I believe. Are you ready? As Christians, we should be the best parents that we should possibly be. Come on, as Christians, we should be the best spouse. Our relationship with God should change our relationship with our spouse. We should be the greatest neighbors in our neighborhood. We should be the greatest employee that our boss has. We should be the greatest employer. If you have your own company, then those around. We should be the hardest working, the most committed to those around us. Why? Because if we're faithful in that which is a little, God says little can produce much in your life. But if you're not a steward with where you're at, you're never going to be a steward with where God perhaps wants to take you. And let me say this, maybe you're never going to arrive there because God doesn't want you to be placed in a place that's out of your depth and out of your control. Took my little man swimming yesterday. He counts and he jumps and he's there. But our whole pool pretty much is out of his depth. So what does he do? He holds on to us. As a parent, well, how good would I be just to let him go and say, oh, he'll find the bottom eventually. 
You wouldn't do that, would you? You want to keep them above the water. God wants to keep you above the water. So maybe you're not going into the depths that you need. Why? Because you're not being a steward with what you have right now. Oh, people grumble and complain. Say, man, if I could get a promotion, then I would do much more. Do with what you have. Because the Bible says where you're at right now is the pathway to where you need to be. And if you're not going to be a steward, say with me, steward. If you're not going to be a steward with where you're at, then why would you expect or why should you expect God to overwhelm you with something that's going to sink your life? Let me back that up with Scripture. Are you ready? Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Do it with all of your might. Whatever your hand finds to do, whatever you are steward over. Come on, see stewardship in this. Whatever, do it with your might. Notice this, for there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. So what is the instruction here? First, do it. Secondly, with all your might, that word there applies with great strength, with great power. Give it everything that you've got. And that scripture actually in the Bible is cross-referenced with Romans 12, 11, where we talked about not lagging in diligence, but serving the Lord. Little things can make the biggest difference. Come on, let's just be practical. Little things can make the biggest difference. I remember my Aunt Maggie talking about this cleaner that she had, and she didn't really like how she cleaned the house, but she kept her anyway. And I said, well, why have you got someone you don't like? Listen to what she said to me. The reason why I keep this lady is because she folds my toilet paper. If you've ever been to a hotel, most of the time, if you're in a nice hotel, they will fold your toilet paper into like a little point where it begins. And you're like, well, that's kind of cool. I mean, pointless, but it's kind of cool. I'm like, well, Maggie, that's pointless. She says, I know it is. She says, but you know what? I like the impression that it gives. And I'm thinking to myself, so you don't like how they clean the rest of your house, but you're keeping them because they fold. What can I say from that? The little things can make a big difference in our life. Come on, let's just really be practical about it. The little things can make a big difference, like putting your cart back at the grocery store. Kelly and I were shopping at Hobby Lobby over at O'Neill or wherever it is over there. They don't have any cart bays in their whole parking lot. And when we went on Friday, it just so happened 50% was off all fall items and all Christmas. So I've never seen so many cars in Hobby Lobby parking lot. So guess where we parked? Almost at the street. So when we're going, I said to Kelly, well, come on, let's just leave our car because there's nowhere. She's like, no, it's easier to push Judah. So we get down to where we're going. And, and she says, I said, what are we going to do with our car? Listen, this is my wife, the godly woman that God has given me beside me. She said, just leave it beside the car. She said, it's their problem. They didn't leave anywhere for you to put it. I said to her, Kelly, I can't do that because I've already written my notes for my message and I've already put in there that we need to put our cart back. She can testify. I ran right up to the store and I grabbed another one on my way and I took it back. Why? Because it's those little things. Here's another thing I've got. When you're in the grocery store and you're on aisle five and then you get to aisle 10 and you see something better than what you got on aisle five, it doesn't belong on aisle 10. It belongs back on aisle five. Take stuff back at the grocery store. Be faithful in stuff. That's a steward. You may say, that's crazy. They pay people to do that. No, they don't. People have to do that, but they don't really, they're not hired to do that. Take it back. It's the little things. Because if I can be faithful in the little things. Come on, I'm stepping on some people's toes right now. 
Come on, be on time for work. Come on, be on time for work. If you're supposed to be at work at 9 or 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock arriving is not on time. You're already late. Come on, you should be there, clocked in and at your desk by the time that starts. That's being a good steward. If you don't be faithful with the little things and don't leave early. If you're supposed to be there, you stay there and you do your job. And listen to this. Don't handle your personal business when you're on their clock. Come on, you've got to allow us to do that at lunch. You can do that afterwards. Don't take personal calls when you're on their clock. You be faithful with what you have. I want to say something else, and you may get me wrong. Don't witness to other people when you're at work. Well, what I'm talking about is you can be the light. I thought you called us to be the light. Yeah, but don't stand by the water cooler for an hour and a half telling someone about Jesus when you're supposed to be on your computer working. Because you're not telling anyone about Jesus. You're just showing them you're a lazy bum. And that the work you're at is not important to you. Come on, you've got to be the light. You've got to do it in the right time. You can be a light with that. Come on right now, you're looking at me crazy. Come on, be, police yourself on social media because a little comment can go a whole long way. Watch what you're saying. Be that light because it's the little things. Say with me, little things. Maybe little, but God requires me to be a steward of it all. Come on, let me say that one more time. It may be little, but I'm required to be a student of it all, a steward of it all. And you know why I'm required to be a steward of it all? Because I represent it all. Even though I don't have it all today, I represent it all because God has it all. And I'm representing all to those around. Read on. What were you at? Luke, was it 16? Let's read 11 and 12. It says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, in other words, the things of this world, Who will commit to you and trust you with true riches? In other words, if you can't handle the world's riches, why do you think you'll be trusted with riches in heaven? And it gets better in verse 12. Come on, say it gets better. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? Maybe you don't have your own company today that you've dreamt of having for years because you can't be faithful to work for someone else's. Come on, I'm preaching truth to you today. Maybe you don't deserve that promotion that you wished you had had if you're not doing your job right now well. Because I just believe if you're doing your job well, if there's a promotion, they shouldn't be able to look past you. If you are doing everything and you are faithful, they shouldn't be able to look past you because they're going to promote you because you're promoting yourself every day while you're working on your harness. If you're faithful in the little things, come on, God will bless you with things that are not your own right now. Never be lazy. New Living Translation, never be lazy. Romans 12, 1, never be lazy at your work. Be a steward. Be a steward. Well, obviously, pastor, you haven't seen my boss. Obviously, pastor, you don't know where I have to work. I've had many people say, would you pray for me? I need a decent job because I'm in an office with nine people and everyone's unsaved. I'm like, what are we praying for? It's an awful environment. Well, hey, I'm not going to pray for God to remove you. I'm going to pray that you would be a greater light because God's probably strategically placed you there for a reason. Come on, the darker the night, the brighter the light can shine. Come on. I know you. it's tough sometimes. You don't have to engage in all their conversations. You can make a stand because that's what love is, making stand for what's right and true, but yet we do it in such a way that we present the truth of God and God can be seen through our lives. Come on. Well, you don't know where I work. 
I've got a scripture for you on that too. It's amazing that the Bible has everything for anything that we need. If we would just read the Bible and get it into our hearts and into our lives, we would be amazed right now of what God can do in our lives. I'm not going to beat you up, but I want you to be honest right now. How many people in here reads the Bible every day? Come on, let me see your hand. Every day. Come on, God sees if you're lying to me. Come on, there's a lightning's going to come down from heaven. Okay, how many reads the Bible at least five times a week? Come on, let me see. Cool. How many reads the Bible at least three times a week? Come on, how many reads the Bible at least once a week? On Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Yeah, when I come to church. Yeah. How many people don't read the Bible at all? Come on, everyone's like willing to put their hand up for that. This church is full of liars because I know a lot of you don't. But here's what I want you to do. Come on, look to build on that style. Come on, look to read the Word and get it inside of you because the Word of God answers the questions. Look what it says, 1 Peter 2 verse 18. It says servants. It could be saying students. It could be saying employees. It's representing our lives. It says be submissive to your masters. That's your boss. That's your teachers, those around you with all fear. Notice what it says, but not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Jesus says we've got to be good no matter who's around us. If we can't be faithful in what's a little, then how can we be honored with much? And if we can't come under authority, we'll never be in a place of authority. Jesus taught so much on stewardship. If you would read through the Bible, how we can represent him by the way we conduct our daily business. Remember the teaching of the parables. Uh, he talked about the parables of the talents. Remember that? A parable is just really a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. Other way around. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Just checking on you right there. So he used examples of this world to exemplify what it was going to be like in heaven. And he gave the parable of talents. It's of coins. And in Matthew 25, just read in two verses there, 14 and 15, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. His stewardship. Already he's delivering something that's not theirs for them to handle. And to one he gave five talents. Come on. And to the other he gave two. And to another he gave to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. What do we see from what we just read there? We see that there are varying levels of ability. Those who have more and those who have less. And as a result of their abilities or where they're at or maybe even the stewardship of their life, they were either given more or they were given less. But unfortunately, you see, that's the moral of the story that we have made. We have made that the moral of the story. We've made that the point of the story, that there's favoritism. Some people's always going to have more than me. That's not the point. That's not the main point of the story. And if we feel like that, guess what? That's why we feel cheated in life and we feel shortchanged because they got more than I did. We've got to change. That's not the point that Jesus is bringing here. Because that's always going to happen. Listen to this statement. I think this is really cool. If you don't get much from this message, get this. Are you ready? Don't live by comparison. Live by companionship. 
What do I talk about? Don't live by comparing yourself to everyone else. Live by a life that's connected to Christ. Live by the companionship of Christ. Live by His Word and His truth. Because if you're comparing yourself to everyone else, there's always going to be people who have more, less. There's always going to be the reason to feel cheated or whatever or get knocked out because then you get so prideful because you think you're better. Come on, we're not to live by comparison. We're to live by companionship, by relationship, by being connected to Him. But you ready? Here's the main point of the story that Jesus is trying to bring. It's not the ability that matters. If you have it, by all means, use it. Come on, if you need more, go back to school. Go back to college. Get all the training that you need. But it's not the ability that matters, but what we do with what we have. What are you doing with what you have? That's the point of the story. Because the story in a summary is the person who had five, he had a lot. What did he do? He invested it and he made five more. So now he has ten. The person who had two, what did he do? He puts it in the bank. So it gathers interest and now he has four. But the one who had one, he dug a hole in the ground and he buried it and he didn't use it. And he brought back that which was unused. In Matthew 25, 29 and 30, it says, For to everyone who has. What does that mean? For everyone who has been a faithful steward over what they have been given, however much that may be, because that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is doing with what you have. He who has been faithful over what they have, the Bible says, will be given more. The thought is you will be entrusted with more. Stewardship will bring more into your life and that more will produce what? And you will have an abundance. Why is there an abundance that God wants to give to your life so it not only provides for you, but you can start providing for other people. See what happens with stewardship? God will meet your needs so you can help meet the needs of other people. And you will have abundance. But from him who does not have, for him who has not used, who has not done, even what he has, the Bible says, will be taken away. Verse 30, and, it will, and, the, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You need to listen two weeks ago. We talked about that. How many people think they're going to make it and they're not? Everyone who goes to church is not going to make it to heaven. Everyone who says they're a Christian, they're not really saved. God knows the heart of man. And I'm telling you, God is looking in our hearts to say, do you have love? Do you have stewardship? God is asking the question as he looks at your life, how are you stewarding your life? Everything about you, what are you doing with that? Because maybe you're being a good steward in a area, but God said it's not just about a part. I want everything. Because if you can be faithful in the least, and all those things, God says, I can bless you. Come on, little produces much. Romans 12 verse 11 says, not lagging in diligence, but being a front runner. Come on, fervent in spirit. That really means just maintaining a good attitude. When you go through life, just be fervent in spirit. Have a great attitude. Have the right perspective on life and stop seeing things all wrong. And the last part of that verse says, and serving the Lord enthusiastically. Come on, say with me. Serving the Lord enthusiastically. Characteristic number three. You ready? Servanthood. 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 I like the next few verses of Romans Chapter 12, 12 through 14, because I believe it then shows us how we are to serve. It says these words, it says, rejoicing in hope. 
In other words, serving with gladness, bringing hope, giving hope, providing others the opportunity to experience hope. Come on, I'm rejoicing. My life is bringing hope to everyone around as I'm serving, as I'm being a good steward. What does it say? Here's how I'm to serve. Patient in tribulation. It's not always easy. Does anyone know that today? Do I have a witness with that? Life's not always easy. There's plenty of opportunities to quit in life. Maybe even this week you wanted to quit. Maybe even this week. I just want you to know something. The enemy battles with me at times too. And just says, what's the point of what you're doing? The the breakthroughs, the miracles. You just need to give up. Come on, we all have those struggles, but we've got to be patient. We've got to endure through the tribulations. What does it say? Continually or continuing steadfastly in prayer. We need prayer. Come on, we need to pray in our life, to conversate with God and to talk to God. Verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints and future saints. They may not know it yet, but you can produce the the atmosphere for them to receive God by the life and what you do given to those, given to hospitality. Come on, it's it's God's word for you to be on our welcome team. How do I know that? Because it's in the Bible. Look. That you're given to hospitality. That's what God wants you to... Okay, come on, moving on. Just laugh at me, joke. Catch a joke. But you need to serve. Look at it says in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Have you ever done something for someone that you thought was so nice and they literally slapped you in the face? And if they didn't literally slap you in the face, they might as well have because they posted something on social media about you. They just didn't receive it. May I remind you today... If they don't receive it, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the message. Come on, you're the messenger of the message. Don't take it all personal. They're just rejecting God. They're not rejecting you. But what do you do? You keep blessing those who persecute you. You keep loving them. You keep looking for opportunities to sow into their life because the Bible says you are to bless and do not curse. Wow, that's powerful right there, how I'm to serve God. Always having hope, being patient in tribulation, having prayer in my life, giving to the needs of those around, having hospitality. Come on, blessing those who slap me around and are abuse me and, and wrongfully say things about me. I've got to bless them and not curse them. Don't let one bad experience, is what I'm saying, rob everyone from your life. Don't let one bad experience rob you from all the good that you can bring. Anyone ever had a bad meal here? Let me see your hand. Ever ate a bad meal? Come on, come on. Not talking about what your wife or husband cooked when you went out. Anyone ate a bad meal? Did it ever stop you from eating? Sure didn't. If you ever had a car accident, who's ever had a car wreck? Oh, Lord, right, Miss Emma. Miss Emma, every other week, God bless her. She's done with that. In the name of Jesus, it's over. And then, come on, stretch your hands right to Emma and say, in the name of Jesus. Come on, right now. She knows all about those. Had a few over the last few months. Maybe you need to open your eyes when you're praying. Maybe I uh, need to be more specific when I'm telling you to pray in your car. But we've had car wrecks, but it doesn't stop us from getting back in our car. We can't make sure that a bad experience in our life serving and doing for other people doesn't rob them from all the good. We can get so easily offended. I think one of the greatest choices that you can make in 2015 and then in 2016 and on and on and on, I think one of the greatest choices that you can make is this, to live an unoffended life. And it's a choice that you can make because remember this, are you ready? Offensive is never given, it's only ever received. 
Come on, no one ever gives offense. It's what you receive from that. Say with me, serving God. Living a life of service. Servanthood. Do we really know what it means to serve, to serve others? I want you to know something about serving is this. It's about others before you. Oh, don't worry about you. You see, we concern ourselves about ourselves. What about me? Because if you're doing the right thing, if you're being a good steward, if you're loving people, let's step one back. If you're loving people and being a good steward and you're serving other people, then you don't have to worry about you because God's got your back. God is going to take care of you. Jesus, maybe that's why people aren't serving, because you didn't say amen to that. I want you to know something. You build his house, God's promises, I'll take care of your backyard. As you love, as you give, as you are steward with that which is yours, not abusing it because we talked about stewardship with your home, you've got to find that right balance. But as you serve, you can trust and rest assured that God will take care care of you as you serve others. And if you're struggling with that, I've got a scripture for you. Luke 6 verse 38 says, give and it will be given unto you. As you give, God gives it back to you. And how does God give it to you? God gives it good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's what God has. A lot of people quote that scripture about money. It's a good one for money, but that's not what the passage is talking about. In fact, the passage is talking about judgment. In the same judgment that you use to other people, it's going to be measured back to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But it could be thought of in the sense of in the way you serve others, in the way you do to others, God says, I'll produce that back in your life. You see, true service is not according to your feelings and circumstances. True service is no matter what, no matter when, and no matter How? True service is a commitment that we make. I love this scripture in Mark 10, 43 through 45. And let me bring you up to speed just before I read this scripture. Two of Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, we want to sit one on the left and one on the right. One of the gospels, I believe it is, says that their mum came up and says, Jesus, I want my son to sit one on the left and one on the right. So picture that moment. What are they doing? They're jockeying for position. They're wanting status. They're thinking of themselves. And I want you to know status is not service. And that's when Jesus replies to them these words from Mark 10, verse 43 through 45. He said, whoever desires to become great amongst you shall be your servant. If you want to be the greatest, God says, serve. If you want to be great, serve. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. That means everyone. Not who you pick and choose, but everyone. And then Jesus slam dunks it. I love it. He just like slams it in their face. Verse 45. And he says, For even I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served. If you think yourself, you can't do that. Look what I came to this earth to do. For even I, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom, to pay the price, to give my life for those. I want to say it again. Are you ready? The Christian life is a call to service and not a call to status. It's not about look at me. It's about seeing him. It's about being an example for Christ. Here's what the world says, and this is the problem. The world says that when you're great, 
When you've made it, when you've arrived, you'll know when other people are serving you. That's what the world says. Where Jesus flips that on edge and he defines greatness in this way. Not how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. To be a servant requires, I believe, radical Christ-centered living. Not a self-centered living that the world promotes. I had a lady come into my office this week and I, I just love this transparency. And We always have an open door. And, and her thought was this, you know, I'm at this stage in my life and I, I'm just a fearful that I'm not fulfilling the purpose that God has for my life. It feels like I'm just spinning my wheels. What's going on in my life? And I began to talk to her about, you know how you want to fulfill the purpose of God in your life? Here's how it looks. Begin to serve other people. I said the number one most important ministry and service and purpose that you have in your life is to your children. Come on, you've got to serve your children first and your families first. That's your priority. Oh, God first, but then it's your family. Then it's those around. In fact, here, let's get it right. It's God first, your spouse, then your family. Let's get that right. God first, then your spouse, then your children. Your children don't come before your spouse. You put it that way, you're out of whack. And then anything else under that is going to be out of whack. You've got to start right from the top. But you begin to serve. And I told her, I said, here's what you need to do. You begin to serve. You want to fulfill your purpose. Hold a door open for someone. Oh, that's all that God has for me? No, God's got more. But when he knows you can be faithful and a steward with the little things and you're willing to wash someone's feet, maybe, if that's what it takes, you're willing to do whatever it takes, God says, there's someone I can entrust. There's someone that I can use. There's someone that I can bless. Aren't you glad that there's a smaller platform than a congregation? Why? Because not everyone's called to be up here. Because if we were all called up to be there, who would there be to serve? Who would there be to reach? Who would there be to touch? We all have a place to play. Look at this statement. I think this is so good. We serve God by serving others. You want to live for God? You want to really please God? You serve other people. Hey, can I give you a scripture for that? Because there's one in there. There's a lot in there, but let's look at it. Matthew 25 verse 40. This is a, an incredible passage, Matthew 25, period. The whole Bible's powerful. But it says this, And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. What do we see there? I serve God by serving other people. As I serve other people, I'm doing it to God. That passage goes on to say, when did I give you a drink of water? When were you hungry? When did I clothe you? When were you in prison? When were you do-? And the thought was this, that when we go to those people in those needs and we do that, we are representing and taking Jesus to them. Because literally when we give to them, it's almost like we are giving and doing to God. When you're holding the door open in church and you're welcoming people in, you've got to see that you're welcoming God into this place too. Because as we serve God, we serve Him by serving others. If you want another scripture, if that's not good enough for you, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartedly as to the Lord and not to men. I'm not serving for men, I'm serving for God. Why? Because knowing from the Lord, you will receive the reward. Man, I could preach on this. You know why a lot of people get offended in service? Because someone didn't thank me for serving. 
You're not doing it for the thanks of people. Oh, we're going to do our best to praise you and thank you. But you're not doing it for people because when you get the thanks of people, that's the reward you've got. But God says, I'll reward you. You're doing it as unto me. But knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward. Oh, you can have a reward for me. That's a pat on the back. But God's talking about laying up treasures in heaven. God's talking about giving you a peace in that place of sorrow. God's speaking about healings and breakthroughs and miracles and peace that you could not even imagine. That's what God can give. Why would you want what man can give when God wants to give into your life? Notice this. You will receive the reward of the inheritance for you as you serve the Lord Jesus. As you serve, it's going to bring return into your life. Come on, who's going to give me five more minutes? Give me five more minutes. Come on, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. We're good, we're good, 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 good. You may have to stay for the second service because I don't know if I'm going to finish this. Let me show you some of the dimensions of service, so to speak. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. It says, who has saved us and called us. God has saved us, notice this, and called us. Two things, two distinctly different things. He didn't say saved and called Uh, Saved, called, one thing. He has saved us and he has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Let me explain that to you. He has saved and called us. He has saved us from sin. But what do we see in that passage? He has called us for purpose. What purpose? His purpose. His purpose. He has called us to represent, to carry out, to help in His plan and purpose for this world. That's what God has called you and I to do. Oh, He saved you for that purpose, but He saved you and now you are called to fulfill the purpose of servanthood in the life and in the plan of God. I don't believe it's enough as a child of God just to live saved. Oh, you're going to make it to heaven. And if that's all you want, you're going to make it to heaven. And you'll probably be good with that. You're probably going to be okay with that. But we're not in heaven yet. Come and look around you. We're not in heaven yet. That's not an angel sitting beside you today. I just want to break that to you. It's not an angel beside you today. And I just believe this. If God's purpose only was to save you, here's what I believe he would do. He would take you to heaven as soon as you got saved. If that was his purpose, he would take you to heaven as soon as you were saved. Why? Because he doesn't want any to perish. He would have taken you straight up there. But what do we see? God saves us for what? A calling. He saves us for a calling. He saved you for a purpose. Say with me, purpose. For his purpose to be his witness, to be his hand and feet, to practically serve other people. And you've got to understand this. Are you ready? Service doesn't save you. It's only by grace are you saved. It's only through his forgiveness and the price he paid. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved. Next scripture please. Through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his. That's the key thing. We stop there. But it goes on to say, But we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? To serve other people. To fulfill the purpose and the plan of God That he has, which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. Well, that's above me. Oh, it is. So it's above God. Hello? 
Well, that thing's above me. I mean, come on, give me something important to do. From the least to the greatest is important in the kingdom of God because you are creating the atmosphere for other people to be touched. Well, notice that scripture, it says, which God prepared beforehand. What does that mean? God's prepared things. I want you to see this statement. Are you ready? Go to the next slide, can you? I believe much of what God has prepared is never experienced because of lack of service. That there's so many opportunities for people to be a part of that God has played out in their lives, but because people are unwilling to serve other people, that experience can never become a reality in their life. Let me just explain it this way. If everyone in this church served, we could do more than twice what we're doing right now. So what does that mean? We could unleash everything that God has experienced for our life. For right now, we're not doing that. And think what happens in our lives daily when we're not doing that. I'm not here to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just preaching the gospel to you today. I'm giving you what it means to be a Christian. Let me use an illustration. Are you ready? Say with me nursery. Come on, our HFLC nursery. You can see nursery in one or two ways. Here's the first way a lot of people see nursery. Are you ready? Who wants to be in a room with crying babies. First of all, that's a misconception because most of the time the kids aren't crying anyway. That's why we give numbers. If kids are crying and they're uncontrollable, we put the number on the screen. There's a cry room at the back. Parents can come and take care of it. So that's a misconception in itself. Here's another thought that we have when we look at nursery. Well, I have my own kids, so I'm glad of a break. I want to sit in church and have a break. Who wants vomit and puke all over them? I don't want that. Here's another one. Are you ready? It's not my calling. Not my calling. I I just want to say something. I want to step from behind the pulpit so you don't get mad at me. Because I'm not saying as thus saith God, but I want you to hear this. Are you ready? You should have thought about that before you had kids. You can say it's not my calling, but you've got kids, so you better deal with it. Come on now, turn to your neighbor and say, deal with it. Deal with it. We're not asking you to run our nursery. We're just asking you to serve in our nursery. And you may say, well, that's not my calling. Well, the Bible tells me that whatever and anything that needs to be done, if there's a need, that's my calling to service, to to serve and to provide and to create a space. You see, we can look at nursery all wrong. We can look at service period wrong. But here's how I think we should see it. Are you ready? Here's the right way. Say with me, right way. As I serve in the nursery, I am creating an opportunity for that parent or parents to be able to hear the word of God and perhaps even give their life to Christ. Wow. 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 I'm telling you right now, if I wasn't preaching every Sunday, and I still do it a lot, even when I'm preaching Wednesday night. Well, I didn't preach. Pete did a great job Wednesday night, by the way. But I'm I'm telling you, one of the things I would do if I could is I would drive the bus. You know why? I think the bus ministry, our limo team, is one of the greatest ministries you can be a part of. Why? Because I have the opportunity to literally pick people up and bring them into the house that they can hear God. Wow, that to me is just phenomenal, that I can do that so simply and easy. So going back to the nursery, instead of looking at it for everything that you can try and say it's not, look at it for really what it is. I'm creating an atmosphere where parents can receive from God. And not only am I creating an atmosphere for parents, I'm creating an atmosphere for everyone. Because if a baby's in here screaming and crying, everyone's distracted. So I'm eliminating a distraction so God can speak into a life. Wow. Is there a higher calling than that? Is there a greater thing that I can do than that? 
Why? Because what I'm saying is this, as I serve in the nursery, as I serve on the doors, as I serve life period, it's not just a temporary thing that I am doing. It's not just a temporary reward. It's eternal rewards. Because nothing could happen without your service. I'm going to say something that I believe scripturally I have the right to say in the back and from the word of God. And that is this. There is no such thing as a non-serving Christian. Really, there should be no such thing as a non-serving Christian. Look at the statement I penned this week. Life will die in you if it doesn't flow out of you. If you just take what God's given and you keep it to yourself, it's going to die inside of you. You're going to stink. Turn to your neighbor and say, is that the smell I smell? Only plan, only plan. You'll become stagnant. You'll become dead. Because if something comes in and it doesn't leave, it's going to die in there. God gave you the joy that you have now and the peace and the abilities and everything. Oh, you think that God gave you those things to provide for your family. Oh, that's second nature. God gave you those gifts and talents to use in His house first. And oh, by the way, He lets you use them to provide an income and blessing for yourself. But God has given you those talents and gifts. But if they're just inside of you and don't flow out, if you're not using them, they're going to die inside of you. Why? Because God never called us to be a reservoir or a lake. God called us to be a river or a conduit that it flows through us. But it's got to first come into us before it can come out of us. In first and then out. I'm going to close this message. Say, close it, Pastor. But guess what? I've got one more scripture for you. And it's a good one. It's a good one. From the Message Bible, 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this. But you are the ones chosen by God. He's talking to the Christians here. You're chosen by God. God's chosen you. But how has He chosen you? He's chosen you for a high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. Listen to this. God's called you to be His instruments to do His work. And to speak out for him. Notice first, to do and then speak. God doesn't make mistakes. You're first called to do and then to speak. Come on, we're walking the walk. And if by means we need, then we're using words. That we are to be instruments to do his work, speaking out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he has made for you. Wow, that's powerful. When I was studying for this message, I came across something that I'd written down years ago. In China, many churches welcome their new believers in by saying this statement. Are you ready? Listen to this. After people have got saved, they say these words. Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with, new hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. Isn't that beautiful? You're going to hear that more. I've written that down on my file in a Sharpie. You're going to hear that that more because I love that. Jesus has now a new pair of eyes to see with, new ears to listen with. Whose ears? Whose eyes? Yours. Come on, new hands to help with. Whose hands? Yours as you serve. And a new heart to love with. Serving Him by serving others. Come on, we serve God. By, by serving Him, we serve God. How are we serving God? How are we serving our family? How are we serving our wives? How are we serving our children? How are we serving our church? How are we serving your workplace? Because I'm telling you right now, there is no greater joy than what you will find in serving others. You need to look to do that. 
And here's how you can. You can serve others in this church. You can serve others in this house. I Connect series. That's the next step for every one of you. Starts October the 11th. If you're not in service, if you're not in a part of this church and you've never been through that course, I believe this October the 11th should be the biggest course that we ever have of people saying, you know what, I get this, Pastor. I get why God has saved me because there's a calling, there's a purpose, there's something that I still need to do for Him. Come on, would someone say, God help me love? Would someone say, God, help me to be a good steward? Would someone say, would God help me to be a servant of all? Because that's what a Christian needs to look like. We haven't finished, but that's what I need to look like. That's what needs to be in my life. If I'm going to be salt and light, that's what I need to be. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.